Game 30, Air Force versus Al Itihad on the 6th of November 2023, titled Book Seat Bollocks. Now, today's game at Gravity in West London was an early kickoff, meaning to be there two hours before kickoff, I had to be in the studio by 10, therefore at Gold Hawk Road tube station by 9.30, ahead of my walk to the studios, which meant catching the train around 7ish, so I plumped for the 7.40 from Long Hambra. Now here's a little thing about trains and tickets, etc. My son uses the train line app. I just normally go to the machine or booth or order mine, but knowing that this is going to be a business person full train, I'm encouraged by the family members to book a seat, which I do via the train line app. Bish bash bosh, and done, and paid for. Yep, bloody e. So up, backpacked, and dropped at Hambra Station in time for the 7:40 to London. Open the app and bing, there's my ticket. Coach J, seat 49, forward facing, and a window seat. Well, this is impressive stuff. The platform steadily fills with the everyday commuter to London. I slink back, not wishing to get into a pushing match as I've already purchased a ticket. Coach J, seat 49, forward facing, window seat. The expected train arrives and there is carnage as people rush to board. I actually want to shout at the top of my voice, CHARGE! But I don't as I saunter along the platform looking for Coach J. Hold on a minute, there's only six carriages going from A to F. Where the fuck's J? And seat 49 forward facing window seat carriage. As I look at the carnage and the stampede ensuing, I look at the guard on the station and ask where's Coach J? He says they've shortened the train due to line works. But I've booked a seat, I inquire. He says, well, there's not enough carriages, so it's first come first serve, sir. So I'd board now if I was you. A little peeved and a touch aggrieved, I boarded as one of the last. Luckily, I managed to grab a seat from an old bag by throwing the old bag on the floor and sitting down. The gentleman whose bag it was wasn't overly impressed, but I had calculated that I could have had him and his dad at the same time. So, I squeezed on. The app's great, but book a seat, what a fast British Rail are. Indiscriminate carriage removal at a stroke. It was a relatively fast train, but I still had time to sink into myself and start thinking both irrationally and bizarrely. One of the main topics within my cranium was the I should really sort my life out type of thing. Then, in an almost internal schizophrenic way, I argue within my head on what to do, what is right and what is wrong and how to solve it. It almost became a chess match where I was analysing each thought process That'll happen, then this'll happen, this'll occur, before the other side will chip in, well what if this happens, and where do you go then? I don't actually notice the amount of bums and groins around me until a strange sort of aroma seems to fill the air. I think it's emanated from over my right shoulder. I don't want to, but instinctively glance behind my shoulder at a very nice bum to be perfectly honest. Surely something so perfect could not produce something so foul! But then I thought of my peachy little bot and some of the stuff that it can produce and thought, well, it could be. I wander from the train once it arrives at Paddington to Costa before heading on to the Hammersmith and City Line to Goldhawk Road. On exiting the aforementioned tube station, I'm faced with the knee screamer straight. 15 minutes of pure agony for me. I soldier through it and arrive shortly before my check-in is open. After last month's no-show, I'm greeted by a smiling Brenners who informs me of my booth for the match. Settling in and after a level check, the team news arrives. Al Itihad are managed by former Premier League manager Nuno Espirito Santo and arrive here as reigning Saudi champions. And they have no less than Karim Benzema and N'Golo Kante in their ranks. This was the group match quick return as they played each other two weeks ago, resulting in a late win for Al Itihad. 
but this game spelled trouble in more ways than one. Air Force wanted a canter, not an N'Golo canter, but a canter. Al Itihad looked bereft of any confidence whatsoever, whereas Air Force played with real desire. And post-match, Nuno was relieved of his duties at Al Itihad. You could see the manner of this defeat spelling trouble for Nuno, and there was a sense of inevitability as reign would end. But for me, there were two close-ups of players' faces, and this is my perception of what those faces said without words. At one stage, they panned in on N'Golo Kante's face, and honestly looked like his face was saying, what have I joined here? Then there was another close-up of Benzema's face, and it was a picture of the money's great, but the team around me are not good enough. It was striking to me as a commentator as well because they were used to having a team around them. They did have teammates, but not of the calibre of Real Madrid or Chelsea teammates. It shows me how much further Saudi Arabian leagues need to strengthen. They will get it right, but growing a seed will not bear fruit for years. They will have to persuade a lot more talent to come across to the league. Back to Paddington, and a seat, and a train ride home. Sadly, my stay at home was brief as I head off to a studio close by for a little Premier League offering, Spurs versus Chelsea. It's been a long day already, and now I've got a London derby. Game 31, Spurs versus Chelsea on the 6th of November 2023, titled... Sometimes you can have too much. I light at Long Hambra and my driver questions my programming of work before I'm dropped off and looking forward to a London derby. I have often commented how two games in a day is a stretch even for Armstrong, let alone me. 70s toy gag there for the right audience. Toys! <laughs> I always wanted a slinky to go down the stairs with and my mum got me one for Christmas only to realise we lived in a bungalow. Life's a bitch. No, uh, <laughs> no, into early episode digression mode there. No, seriously, what sort of toy, Stretch Armstrong in this case, was simply a human-shaped bodybuilder who you could stretch the limbs and appendages on? I think that's why my wife always said I wish you were Stretch Armstrong in the bedroom. Well, there we are. So, it spurs under the tutelage of Ange Postacoglu, and I cannot say his first name without slipping subliminally into an Australian accent. Pause the pod, try it now, Ange. You simply err into an Aussie accent. Anyway, Ange's side have started well and are catching a lot of people's eyes. And Mopo, or Mauricio Pochettino's Chelsea side, are far from the Chelsea of recent years. They are in transition. Which in football parlance is they're clearly a lot worse than they were and without too much hope of changing things around. Some years ago, I used to offer footballing reporting skills to people on how to manage, say, live reporting into main shows. The skill set to prioritise on the run information you've acquired through a game, normally 30 to 40 seconds to fill, and often slashed by the time you are live to around 15 to 20 seconds, or if nothing had happened in your game, they want 90 seconds. That, my friend, is Sod's Law. Well, sometime a game occurs where, quite frankly, recaps throughout the halves of a match you're commentating on become a little hard because so much has occurred. This was one of those games where you had to prioritise just getting a breath in. It was quite the derby. Fast, frantic, fun and full of incident. An injury to Mickey van der Ven happened to Spurs on a night where their title aspirations unravelled like a toilet roll being thrown over a goal in the 70s. It showed the lack of strength in depth. Udogi was sent off, followed by Romero. They still remained in the game until the dying moments playing some tactically naive but exciting defensive plans. Chelsea won 4-1 with Jackson scoring a hat-trick for them, albeit not a convincing one for me. 
but it had so many talking points you normally tried to summarise the action of the game in stoppage time at the end of each half. And given there is almost anywhere between 6 and 9 minutes added on nowadays, that would be ample. But not for this game. So what am I trying to say? Sometimes you can have too much, and given the long day I'd had to this point, this was pushing me beyond my limits. Everyone thrives with adrenaline, and I got through on that alone, but I have to admit I needed the final whistle. I returned home after being absent without leave, and my wife quite correctly wanted to tell me of her exploits while I was at work. I sat and listened and drifted away until a shrill, you're not listening are you, brought me back into the room. Even Rocco Beagle lifted his head up, all scrunched up, and looked to me to say, you my friend are on the thinnest of thin ice. He was right. I tried to say to my wife, you can't have too much of a good thing, which was met with a glare, so I became attentive again. Game 32. Al Duhail versus Al Nasser on the 7th of November 2023. Titled because they are dedicated followers of fashion. Back to London and the West London studios. A mid-morning departure for an afternoon kickoff. All okay on the journey in, and in fairness, nothing notable stands out. To be totally honest, I am for once in a nothing mood. Not up, not down, not nothing. Which, considering where I normally straddle in my mental state, which is often between the lowest of points in my life and the not-so-low points, this is pretty much a win-win. The angle for today's match is written in the statistics available, i.e. the table. So again, until the 90 minutes unfold, it will be difficult to find an angle to drive at. But there was something brewing in my cranium. Yes, you are listening to this podcast, and yes, I have ended up yet again going my way, which is autobiographical. I don't know, a snapshot of my mental state could be a, a cathartic exercise in helping one, psychiatrist, and two, burdening you, the listeners, with more mundanity and mentalist musings you can shake a stick at. Anyway, it is here, and it is now a job that needs doing, as I've started it and I will finish it, as Magnus would say. Podcasts are everywhere, some good, some indifferent, some informative, some absolute poppycock, some in part candid and well thought out arguments, and some just simply waste your time on this earth. Apologies for that. Now I've often thought about doing a podcast, but worried about content and sustainability. For me too many ideas flash out brilliantly, and then fade as the subject matter dries up. But this niggling idea still lingers, and it's a little cynical when you hear it and possibly lacks legs for a continual podcast. But it doesn't really go away. It amuses me, but they do normally say don't laugh at your own jokes. As a person, I admire for his spurious chat and notions, Bob Mortimer. He comes across on all his platforms as somebody you really would love to have a chinwag with. I mean, during his Vic and Bob days, his at-home-with-the-slade sketches were funny for a variety of reasons, and not just a set-up-and-punchline type of way. A mixture of image, surrealist situation, and downright bizarre conversations appealed so much to me. His appearances on Would I Lie To You and with Paul Whitehouse further exposes a man of contentment and boyish continual mental state. So bearing that in mind, you will see that my idea for a podcast with no real longevity, that's why it hangs around like a bad smell in my mind. Anyway, met by the smiling Christina at the desk and greeted by the less attractive to the eye Brenners, I set up commentary base camp in booth 11. Booth 11 has a side window with the outlook into Booth 10, where another commentator is plying his trade with an earlier kickoff. 
I turn my lamp on in the booth and the poor chap flinches like he's been woken up from a deep sleep. Which in fairness, with some of the games we do, he could be. Al Duhail and Al Nasser play at a fine five goal game. Taliska hammers a hat-trick for Al Nasser. And Philip Coutinho looks around at his teammates at times with a look of, is this what it's come to? But during this match, that lingering thought really was brought to the forefront of my mind as both managers of parallel dress sense caught my eye. You see, the sartorial elegance of managers is becoming, I think, something akin to somebody managing your Twitter account. I am possibly making a gross sweeping generalisation, but I think dressers may now be getting involved. In terms of English Football League, Paul Tisdale, the former Exeter City manager, sort of started it with a cravat, flat cap and waistcoat combo before Southgate or Waistcoat Man continued it, and now we're moving into the suit and trainers era. There's also a creeping crewneck sweater with a tie under the suit fat. But Pep is the main man now. He seamlessly goes between thick, chunky raw neck sweaters or cardigans with slacks and thick white-soled trainers. Slacks. When did that word go out of fashion? It's like petticoat, pullover, continental quilt, etc. But managers, head coaches seem to be able to start fashion trends. White trainers with dark suits, are you sure? I'm looking for a white t-shirt, with a t-shirt hanging out obviously. A waistcoat over maybe, with male culottes and brand crocs. But as you can see, there is material there, but not the sustainability. But now I've told you about it, just look at the top flight managers. I think they are being used as fashion statements. I will talk another day about how easy chewing gum can be used as a monitor for stress levels in the Premier League. It's called the Thomas Frank scale. Do I sweat the small stuff? Perhaps I have more hang-ups than my wife's wardrobe. But that is what I hope is in all of us. On the train home, I thought about the day that was passing and how incredibly lucky I am to do what I do. But I still don't feel I belong anywhere.